You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Pretty good. It's um, football eve. Is that what we call this? Like football eve. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, I got something else for you, too, because you know what? It's our 200th episode. And to celebrate that oh, here on Locked On Bama, how about this? This is how technical I've gotten. I'm playing Celebration by Cooling the Gang through my phone on my computer to you to celebrate our 200th episode, baby. Woo-hoo! I think we should be <laughs> I think we should be celebrating the fact that you know how to do all that technology-wise. It must be 200 episodes if you know how to do all that stuff. Well, uh, it's if anybody knew how much trouble I went through just to do what I just did, they, they would not they would not believe that I went through that. Like to come up with the idea, and then I was like, okay, how am I gonna play the song while I'm talking to Jimmy? Oh, wait a minute, I'm talking to Jimmy on my computer. I can pull up Pandora uh and listen to the commercial Pandora makes me listen to to get co- uh celebration for cooling the gang, and then have it on standby when Jimmy finally answers. And I can't believe I pulled it off. I'm pretty proud of myself. I thought the only reasonable explanation was that cooling the gang was there with you. This is absolutely act- no shit. Jimmy, I've got a story for you about that. This is no kidding. A a lawyer friend of mine, I don't even know if he's still practicing, but a lawyer friend of mine back in the day, I'm going to say 20 years ago, he was doing so incredibly well here locally in the Alexander City area. He had Cool in the Gang come play at a 4th of July party, I think it was, and I went to it. I don't know if Cool was there. I I, I know most of the gang was there, but it was literally Cool in the Gang. You know how like the Temptations is like, one temptation left, but he gets the rights to the name or whatever. I think it was the same right. kind of thing. But right here on, on beautiful Lake Martin, Cool and the Gang played. Now, since then, that guy has not fared very well, and uh, I don't think he's doing really well. But whatever, I just remember that. So whatever. I cannot name a single person in Cool and the Gang ever. I'm pretty cool. good with knowing names of people in bands, but I, I do not know a single person from Cool and the Gang ever. Uh, their best song, by the way, and I'll die on this hill, is Misled. It's not Celebration, it's Misled. But um, one thing that Jimmy and I will never mislead you on, and that's predictions for football week, yet another reason that we should be celebrating. And on that same vein, I've decided, why don't I just do it again? It's football time, baby. Okay, I'm done with that now. We've really done 200 episodes? What? We've really done 200 episodes? Yeah, I'm not kidding. We've done two. I didn't know it either. Um, I'm kind of surprised we have. I'm kind of, I'm, it's, it, the most I'm shocking impressed. thing of all is this should be, this shouldn't be called our 200 episode. This should be called, we've done at least 200 episodes without being fired episode. <laughs> I, I am so out of it. I mean. If you'd have asked me, if you never told me that and you said, how many episodes of Locked On Bama have we produced? I'd have said, 
gosh, a bunch. I don't know, 50? Yeah, I'm with you. And here's the thing. We were doing it's Talking Tuscaloosa before that, and I know All we right. had to do like 400 episodes of that. We've done about 600 of these things, man. It Eat was. your heart out, Joe Rogan. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's do uh, predictions today, right? I say all predictions all day, just all predictions today. Although we to get started, we'll we'll finish up this first segment by <laughs> congratulating uh, the Pac-12. You know what? They they've decided to come back and play seven games. You know what this reminded me of when I heard last night that the Pac-12 is going to come out and play seven games, and they're not going to start until, like, November, middle November or some stupid shit. Um, I had this mental image of, like, you know, the so uh, 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 like a Stranger Things cast of kids, and the SEC is, like, the big, you know, the big strong guy, and then there's the Big 12 and the ACC. They're, they're not quite as big, but they're big boys, and they're sort of walking around – And then the Big Ten is sort of the nerdy, uh, he thinks he's better than he is kind of guy, and he's he's hanging around. And then all of a sudden, the NCAA and the media uh, lean outside the screen door and go, hey, guys, don't forget your little brother, the Pac-12. And he comes running out, you know, and he's got like a club foot or something. And everybody's like, God dang it, we got to bring the Pac-12 to go hunt in this cave or whatever we're going to do, like the Goonies. I mean, the – is has there ever been a conference come off looking worse than the Pac-12 right now? Weak, weak. I mean, weak, weak. I mean, is there absolutely? And this is this is how to answer that, and this really should infuriate people. But had the Big Ten not played football, does anyone believe the Pac-12 would have played? No, they're only doing what the Big Ten is doing. That's what they were doing the whole time. The Big Ten canceled, so the Pac-12 said, "Okay, we'll cancel." Big Ten's playing again, so the Pac-12 says, "Okay, we're playing again." It, had the Big Ten not come back, the Pac-12 wouldn't have either. So I mean, they're they're like the ultimate little brother to the Big Ten. Why? I mean, it, it's it's mind-boggling, and I'm glad that's some other area of the country's problem. Well, it is sort of like I really think the Big Ten looks as the Pac-12 as the little brother it never wanted. You know, it's not even a little brother with the same parents. It's like this. The Big Ten doesn't it, care. Yeah, they, the Big they, Ten they doesn't care. care what the Pac-12 does. But the Pac-12 cares deeply about what the Big Ten does. <laughs> I mean, this is this is so like the Pac-12 is stalking the Big Ten. And the Big Ten, even the one, they should be stalking us. Like they should. Remember be that movie, Single White. Season. Remember that movie, Single White Female. <laughs> we were in high school or college about the stalker, the girl that just copied everything the girl she was in love with was doing. That's yeah. the Pac-12. That's the Pac-12. They're single white female. You know the the Big Ten probably looks like at the Pac-12. Like, why are they dressing like us? <laughs> You know, Why I can see like UCLA is going to come out with uh, Michigan's helmets, but like in blue and gold. And everybody's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, I mean, it is these uh, they have done. The Big Ten's got to be thanking the Pac-12, though, because oh. the Big Ten looked pretty weak. And the Big Ten looks like Atlas compared to <laughs> they look like Hercules compared right. to the Pac-12. Pac-12 bailed them out. 
you know, we're laughing now, but you know, you know, when we're not going to be laughing is come playoff committee selection time. And the fact that the Pac-12 played seven games and the Big Ten only played eight games while the SEC played 10, uh, we, we won't be laughing then. No, and I'm, Jimmy, I want to go the other way with this. I think we will. I think that it will certainly be taken into consideration. They only play seven games. I, I'm just going to believe this because there's so much negativity in 2020. I'm going to try and change that by putting out in the universe this positive positivity because what's right is right. And what's right is if you play seven games in a lesser conference and Alabama and LSU and Georgia play 10 games in an unmistakably tougher conference, the, forget the records. The SEC gets a bid. You don't. Now, if every other conference champion loses three games and one of yours goes undefeated, I'll listen. But I'm not going to listen if you're 7-0 and and then they're um, – a bunch of uh, ten and one teams out there. I'm not going to listen to it. It's, I'm sorry that you decided to take this route, but you decided it, and um, that's you know it's your it's your bed. You got to lie in it. Which is exactly why I'm saying we're going to be mad. I, this is exactly what I'm predicting happens. Is you're going to have? I mean, let's just assume it's going to be Oregon, but or I think ultimately a conversation we're going to be having December twentieth because that, that's the date that it's all coming out. December 20th, we're, the, the committee is going to be making a decision between what's more impressive, Oregon going 7-0 and and then winning the Pac-12 championship or Georgia going, uh, you know, 10-0 and or 9-1 or and, and, and losing to Alabama twice. Uh, should we put in Georgia, who's 9-2, and whose only loss is to Alabama twice, or put in this 7-0 and Oregon team? And uh, – that that I I can just see that coming. I mean that 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 day is coming. That that argument is 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 going to be out there. And obviously the numbers, the teams might be a little different, but I think ultimately we're going to be talking about a one or one or two loss SEC team as being more deserving than an undefeated Pac Pac twelve team just simply because there's a there's more games. Now I I see what you're saying, and I'm the um the what's right is right is me guy. Uh, in, in in me that gosh, Ken shouldn't say the guy in me. That's remember on Arrested Development when Tobias Funke wrote the book The Man Inside Me. <laughs> anyway, um, so the the my moral compass is saying, okay, in that particular case, you definitely take Georgia. You definitely do. But my Alabama fan is saying, hey, I kind of don't want to play Georgia for the third time. I'd rather play Oregon. So yeah, right. but yeah, they got their two. They got their two shots. Well, yeah, we're giving them right. a third, but but I'm just saying the committee always has a difficult job. I mean, the way it's worked out most years, I, I think the committee's gotten it right uh, every year. My, myself, I think the committee's gotten it right every year, except maybe the first year when they left TCU out. Uh, and, and I'm not even I don't even really remember how strongly I felt about that at the time. But uh, I think the committee's gotten it right most years. But this year, the committee is going to have a completely different monster on their hands with basically all of the leagues playing a, a different format yeah. and a different amount of games. It's it's going to be really tough on those guys. Uh, Jimmy, let's talk about Built Bar really quickly. Built Bar, absolutely delicious, fabulous sponsor of this program. And, you know, 
I want to thank all the listeners out there for all the Locked On programming because apparently you guys are going out and ordering Built Bars and liking them because they have actually upped their advertising with us, and we appreciate that so much, and that means that it's working. And so that that's uh, a super positive for everybody all the way around because, yes, it's more advertising money for the Locked On programming. Yes, it's more exposure for uh, Built Bar, but it's also great food for you guys out there. So thank you so much. Please go check out Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R, Dot com. They sent Jimmy, I know they sent me, and I'm sure they sent you uh, some yep. samples of this Energy Plus Protein sample pack, and I can't wait to try it. I'm actually going to work out this afternoon and try it, and um, so it's, it's going to be awesome because everything they do is awesome. they got all kind of kick-ass flavors like carrot cake and al- apple almond crisp. They've got actually 18 total flavors. Go to BuiltBar.com, check them out, tell them you heard about them from the Locked On family of networks. Okay, Jimmy, um, let's get into predictions. <clears throat> and I think we, the way we do this, let's run down the, all the SEC's games except Alabama-Missouri, which we'll save for the uh, last segment. And let's just go ahead and let's do it by, by time zone, I guess, or time kickoff time, I should say, by time zone, by kickoff time. Uh, let's go Florida Ole Miss. Um, what do you think? Can the lane train get going? They had a very cringeworthy – tweet put out there where they had two pretty hot Ole Miss cheerleaders telling you how to um, cheer when Ole Miss gets a first down. It was just creepy and weird, but the cheerleaders were good looking, I guess. I've not not seen that. uh, I've not seen that, but I think Ole Miss has a long day ahead. I I like Florida more and more. Florida's a team that starting around spring practice, I, I, I thought Florida, Florida might be a little overrated. They were kind of an in vogue pick and, I didn't think much of it, but as the as the summers progressed and fall campus progressed, I'm sort of on the Florida train. I'm really on the Kyle Trask train. I, I think Kyle Trask is going to have a great year and maybe even sneak into the first round. I mean, that that's how high I am on him. Uh, I think this is the best Florida team in a while. They don't have as many dudes on defense as I think we've seen them have the last couple of years, but they're going to score with Trask and those receivers. Uh, I do think a lot of Dan Mullen as a coach. I, I think Florida pounds Ole Miss pretty good. I'm going to say uh, Florida beats Ole Miss uh, 40, 40 to 14. Wow. Okay. Um, I hear you. I'm going to go a different direction with this. I'm not going to say Ole Miss is going to win because they're not. But I do think they keep it moderately close. I'm not a huge Kyle Trask fan, I just I just don't see it. I mean, I feel like he has won the first team all SEC by totally by default this year because there's nobody else really to give it to. Um, I did get a quite the snicker out of the fact that Matt Jones made the third team and Bo Nix did not, and that got everybody's panties wadded up when, frankly, I think Matt Jones pretty clearly was the better player when he had his chances to play. Yes, you can talk about the pick sixes, but one of them was uh, a butt pick six, and the other one, Smoke Monday, admitted he was out of position. And it was definitely a bad throw. There's no doubt about that. I'm not covering that up. But Smoke Monday was in the wrong place, it just at the right time uh, for Auburn, and he ended up returning it for six. I think Mac Jones uh, could end up being first team all SEC, especially with his weapons. So going back to Kyle Trask here, I, I think he's good. I don't think he's great. Um, and I think Ole Miss is going to put points up on just about everybody, and I include Alabama on that list. So I'm going to say UF wins, but it's 31 to 23. Wow, pretty tight. Um, pretty okay, tight. The, other, 
The other 11 o'clock game, Auburn, Kentucky. This has been a fashionable upset pick. All, uh, you know what? It was a cool upset pick, but now so many people have picked it, it's not cool anymore to me. I feel the exact same way. I mean, all summer I'm like, well, as soon as the schedule came out, the SEC schedule, I'm like, all right, I really like Kentucky to upset Auburn in that first week, and now everybody in the world's jumping on it and picking Kentucky. And now we just know because of how many uh, experts are picking Kentucky to win the game. Kentucky's clearly not going to ambush or sneak up on Auburn. I think Auburn's going to take the game really seriously. I've flipped around now, and I believe Auburn is going to win the game. But I think it's going to be tight, and simply because for this reason, I, I don't think Auburn is a lot better than Kentucky. Auburn, defensively, good team, questions on offense. I think it's low scoring, but Auburn finds a way to win it late. Uh, I'm going to say Auburn wins 23-17. to 17. You know, Jimmy, I love that score. I'll go 24-17 Auburn. And here's the thing. Um, I think that even though it, it, the home field advantage is certainly discounted this particular year, um, Jordan Air Stadium is still built on an Indian burial ground, and I think that it's going to affect Kentucky some way, somehow. And and the other thing is, until I see Kentucky win an actual game of this magnitude, how am I supposed to believe they're going to win a game of this magnitude? So I'm going to say Auburn wins. I, I think it is going to be pretty close. I think the line is spot on right now. Um, at 10 and a half, I thought it was way high, and now it's down to around the seven mark, and I think that's about where it needs to be because I think that's how much Auburn's going to win by. So let's go on to um, the next game, which would be, oh, my God, uh, you talk about just throwing a virgin down in the volcano, um, Georgia against Arkansas. Uh, well, Georgia does have the question at quarterback. Uh, I don't think any of us all spring, all summer – when it appeared, of course, Wake Forest transfer, Jamie Newman would be the starting quarterback at Georgia. Uh, Newman's a good player. Uh, and, and then they get the USC transfer, JT Daniels, and he's a good player. Ends up he's not medically cleared. Dewan Mathis is going to be the starting quarterback for Georgia in this game. That's just a shocking thought. If I told you in July Dewan Mathis would be the quarterback uh, for Georgia, your first question would have been who? Uh, and then your second question would have been why? Uh, but – Dewan Mathis also has some abilities, a good athlete, very similar to Jamie Newman, so they're going to be able to run it and throw it. If Georgia was playing anyone else in the SEC, I would say they'd be on upset alert considering, you know, the the the, the fact that Dewan Mathis is, is, is the starting quarterback in this game. But Arkansas is so, so bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm ready just to say – you know, why is Arkansas just playing any game? They're 0-10. The season's over. They're 0-10. Let's just write it down. Um, I think Georgia wins very comfortably, all things considered. But because it is Dewan Mathis' first start, I can't I can't say they'll be particularly explosive. But I'm going to go uh, Georgia wins this game 42-7. to Uh yeah, I'm look, I think the better question is, does Arkansas win a game in the SEC for the first time since what, 2017? I think that's the better question. Not or are they going to win this game? That's that's not a question. They will not win this game. Um 
Right. But I, I think it's a much better question to ask, will they go winless again in the league? And I think they will. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say something like 45 to three. Uh, I think that's a fair number. And look, if you, I'm like you, if you had told me in the summer, Dewan Mathis would be Georgia's starting quarterback, I'd be like, no, no, it's pronounced Jamie Newman. It's, it's, it's much different than what you're saying. Um, but, you know, in the end, uh, it is what it is, but Arkansas just cannot, they've got nothing. Jim. And, and I, you know, I'm not trying to belittle kids or do anything like that. I mean, these are, you know, at, at this point, if you're 18 to 22, you're kind of a grown man. You're much bigger than I am, but you, they just don't have the horses to run in this conference. Um, and, and it's going to yep. take a while. So that's the bottom line. If you don't have the horses to play in the SEC, you're going to get throttled practically every weekend. Um, okay, and then I guess we move on and uh, go, what is it, A&M and Vanderbilt? Oh, God, another one. But, you know, and that line is like 31, even with all of Texas A&M's opt-outs and injuries. That tells me about how bad Vanderbilt is. Yeah, you know, Vanderbilt – you know, Van, you know, annually Vanderbilt has less dudes than anybody in the SEC. I, I think we can all agree on that. But this, this Vanderbilt team has less dudes than Vanderbilt's normally got. I mean, I, I don't see, I, I don't see SEC players in that lineup. Uh, big questions at quarterback. Uh, questions everywhere else. At least last year, they were pretty decent at the offensive skill positions. They don't even have that this year. Uh, I'm pretty high on A&M. But really, I, I'm predicting a, a, a murder here. But it, it well, you know, the reason I'm going to say 49 to six, and that's what I'm going with, really has more to do with Vanderbilt than Texas A&M. Uh, I, I just don't think this Vanderbilt team is even going to be remotely competitive unless the unless Arkansas is on their schedule. But uh, <laughs> A&M 49, Vanderbilt six. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I think I got. I mean, this game doesn't really deserve a lot of discussion. I, I think forty nine to six is as good a guess as I'm going to give. So I'll roll with it. But also because I forgot maybe the biggest game of the day, and that's Mississippi State with uh, Mike Leach rolling into Baton Rouge with a very depleted LSU team as well. Jimmy, what do you think about that one? That one's at two thirty. Yeah. Uh, I- now here's my. Uh, I, I'm not going to say my upset pick of the day because I, I'm I'm going to lack the intestinal fortitude to pick Mississippi State to win the game. I just don't have enough guts to do it. I want to, but I, I just don't have enough guts to pick State to win the game. But that being said, I think LSU is a bit of a mess. Uh, new coordinators, new quarterback, new everything. Uh, Sure, LSU has more talent than Mississippi State in, in its second team. Uh, that's true. But with the new quarterback and new coordinator and and the opt-outs, gosh, uh, LSU's had the worst opt-out situation in the whole league. So uh, now, does Mississippi State have the horses to pull this off? Probably not. But a couple of curveballs here. First, I think Mike Leach could cobble together an offense with 11 random people you pick out at a target. I mean, you know, just find 11 people, Mike Leach can build an offense. Secondly, you're not doing that at State. He's got the Stanford transfer, K.J. Costello, at quarterback. I don't think people around the SEC have paid enough attention to just how good Costello is, especially when you compare him to the quarterbacks that Leach has had in the past. Leach is normally 
turned very average quarterbacks into really productive players. K.J. Costello is not average. He's very good. If K.J., for whatever reason, didn't play this season at Mississippi State, just went straight in the NFL draft, you're talking about a fourth or fifth round pick, even with him not playing this season. So he's 6'5". He's got a big arm. He's a smart kid. He's, you know, just gradu- he graduated from Stanford. So I-, I like Leach to cobble together enough points to at least scare the hell out of LSU tomorrow. I- I'm going to pick LSU to win the game, and I'm going to say LSU is going to win 31 to 28. But I, I am, I'm not so certain Mississippi State doesn't pull off the first shocker of the year uh, in the SEC tomorrow afternoon. Well, Jimmy, my intestines are pretty damn fortified. I'm going Mississippi State 35, LSU 24. I, oh, I, I know, I know, I'm crazy. It's an 18 point spread, all that stuff. And look, I have no problem. This is not me just being wishful thinking. I'm, I'm like you. Mississippi State's got a good quarterback. They've got some decent receivers, and LSU's got new everything. Not just a new offense coordinator. They got a new defensive coordinator. And Ed Orgeron has been in the middle of a divorce. He's been on 60 Minutes. He's been doing everything it seems like, but coaching football. And LSU, they're not going to have that crowd to feed off, uh, off of. So. I really think Mike Leach goes in there and does something, and it's kind of weird my saying that because um, I've been sort of down on Mississippi State's hiring of Leach because I think it was about 10 years too late. But that's my big upset big, and we better hurry up and do this Tennessee-South Kakalaki pick. What do you think about that? That's the uh, toughest game to pick of the day. I want to say Tennessee's going to win handily. I do think Tennessee's got the better players, uh, but it's at South Carolina. And I think a player no one talks about in this league at all, uh, and with plenty of reason, because most everybody in this league has no idea who he is. But I I think Colin Hill at South Carolina is really going to introduce himself to the SEC tomorrow. And while South Carolina is not a great team, they don't put enough players around Colin Hill. I think playing at Tennessee, Colin Hill's good enough by himself to cause Tennessee a lot of problems. I'm going to pick Tennessee to win the game uh, I'm going to say 24 to 20 Tennessee over South Carolina. But I, I do think if I'm wrong, Colin Hill uh, kind of beats Tennessee by himself. But uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Tennessee 24 20 uh, at South Carolina. I'm going to make a really strong prediction here. South Carolina wins and uh, Helensky comes in to save the day uh, wow. because Very I think he'll struggle. I think it's like the opposite of you. And it's so funny, this game to me. It's like a must-win first game for both coaches. <laughs> I think more. neither coach can afford to lose it. Um, all right, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, preview and predict the Alabama game. All right, so, Jimmy, uh, here we are, first game of the year. What you thinking? I think Alabama is going to win 48 to 14. Uh, Alabama has a highly experienced offense. That's going to be uh, one of the two keys to the game. Of the four offensive players went in the top 16 picks in the NFL draft, and Alabama still returns a highly experienced, gifted offense. Really, there's only one new starter on the offense, and that's Emil Echior. Everyone else is sort of back from last year, from Najee Harris to Devontae and Jalen, to Miller Forstall at tight end. Mac Jones started four games at quarterback. Four of the offensive linemen are returning starters. This extremely experienced Alabama offense will be far too much for Missouri. 
All right, everybody, Jimmy is still dealing with some cell tower stuff down in the Mobile area, but if you heard his prediction, it is 48 to 14 Alabama. I'm going to actually go, hey, let's 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 go big time. Let's go 52 to 7. I think Alabama is going to absolutely maul Missouri tomorrow. Just the 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 missing players, um the fact that I think Mac Jones has something to prove. And then when Bryce Young does come in, he's going to have something to prove. And, and he's going to make his case for first team. I think we got a lot of guys almost playing tryout tomorrow. So I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a big night for Alabama. Uh, both Jimmy and I think uh, take the tide and lay the points, baby. So that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Bama. For Jimmy Stein, I'm Luke Robinson saying roll tide. We'll catch you guys Monday. Roll Tide.